Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. On pause, there we go. I'm all excited. I'm ready to get into this sermon. I'm sorry. I'm excited. Sorry. What is this idea that in culture that there's this overwhelming presence inside of the ability for a group of people to absolutely take a person and shun them and then ostracize them from all of culture? Maybe this is a new idea. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit for you if you're maybe not exactly sure what this is and where it came from and why it's so popular. Here's the trouble with this term cancel culture. It's not very clear. Cancel culture has all these different little nuances and little legs and things that go side to side. So before we get into anything today, I want to help kind of define where we're coming from from this process. Cancel culture in our media usually is politically driven. We're seeing people on the left and people on the right. And there's a topic in which people feel that we can't have this, it's not acceptable inside of our culture. And so what we are going to do is we're going to take a person that I disagree with, whatever that position is, We're going to take that person, and if it's a celebrity or a person of influence, a teacher in the school, whatever it is, someone who has influence, what the culture says is we are going to ruin their lives by ostracizing them. They are no longer able to have that voice, okay? Now, there has been some very good things that have come out of cancel culture. There's been some extremely terrible things that have come out of cancel culture. And here's the problem, is that because everybody has a mobile device and everybody has a voice now, it is a mob mentality. Because when you get a group of people who don't agree with something, you have the ability to turn it on its head and negatively impact other people. Even though what those people are gathering around may be true or not true, it's what the group of people believe. So I am a bit of a historian, I love history. And uh, if you slept in that class, I won't bore you with details, but let me just tell you the general gist of history. Culture always changes its values. Culture always changes its values. I'm going to give you a very clear example of that. When you read the Old Testament, women were highly regarded, seen in a high value, were loved, were in ministry, were taken care of. It was a woman was a highly regarded person, Old Testament. By the time of Jesus, the culture had shifted in the Jewish nation in Israel that women were less than, that they were not to be educated. And then Jesus came in and flipped it and said, that's not the way of God. The way of God is that all people are equal and that men and women together are called by God. And so you can see one culture over the course of time, shifted to a different value system. And you say, which one is right? Well, I have my opinion. I think you do too, right? That we're all equal. But what happened over the course of time that an entire people group gave up that thinking? It's not new. This has been going on for ever since there's been humanity. And now we're in a different area or different era of time because of social media. Social media is giving voice to people, and the problem is that we're not holding to any absolute truth. So an absolute truth is something that we hold to as a tenant. We don't have an absolute truth, and what's even harder, friends, if you're still with me and starting to grasp this, is that 
absolute truth is lost in American Christianity. American Christianity, we, among ourselves, we don't all say that the word of God is the inerrant, perfect word of God. Some say, eh, it's just a good book to be used. Others say Jesus is a good man. There's lots of ways to heaven. And so even among Christianity, truth has become the term relative, relevant, relative, excuse me, that church, uh, truth now can be any which way direction that I feel at the moment. I've had more and more conversations with younger people, and the younger people I'm sharing with you who do have some sort of church background or church upbringing, it is terrifying. It's terrifying, and this is why it's terrifying, that these people who have a foundation of truth are now picking and choosing everything that they feel that they can stomach about God. And as I feel I like this part of God, therefore this is true to me, but I don't like this part, therefore I reject it. So I like the idea that God loves me. I like the idea that Jesus saved me. I don't like the idea that God might say I've done something wrong. Because I know God loves me, sin doesn't really matter, so I live the way that I want. And I, who am I to tell my friends that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Even though the Bible clearly says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. There's no way the Father except by me. That's just for people who want to believe that. And I sit down and I have conversations, and usually my conversations come to this point. Friend, you are picking, choosing five different religions, philosophies, and humanism at the same time. You do, you're not holding to the word of God, and therefore, I don't even know what conversation we can have because there's no stable or any pillar for truth. So you can see now through that light how difficult this can be when we get into cancel culture. And so the series, we're going to explore the big idea of cancel culture. We're going to explore it through the ideas, through the word of God. Because well, I don't know where you are on your journey. Um, I say this often. I am too dumb to have any other truth except that which has been written thousands of years before me. So I'm going to put my wager and my bets on the fact that the word of God is the word of God that he wants me to have today and this year and date and to teach and live by that word. I suggest you do the same because they are smarter than me. God is greater than me, and his truths are preserved for us. And so through the word of God, cancel culture actually starts to take a very different look. Here's one of the good things about cancel culture. Cancel culture isn't just about ruining lives. It gave a voice to the oppressed. There were people groups that were oppressed, and there was abuse that has come out because of the ability to say something. I'm not talking about the effects of uh, shaming and the guilt. We're not talking, I'm talking about this, that the idea that somebody who was being abused had a voice to be able to speak is a very important thing. We at Mosaic Church absolutely will speak for those who are oppressed, for those who are marginalized, and we will not stand for abuse. Abuse is not accepted at any way in the kingdom of God. That is not kingdom God of God. That's the kingdom of evil. Abuse is not tolerated. Abuse is not accepted. And by any way, if you are being abused, please, please, please hear me today. This is not about this topic. If you are being abused, please call authorities. Call Child Protection Services. Please do not live in a place of abuse because you're trying to live inside of grace. That's not what I'm saying here today. Abuse is not accepted. As believers, we have a responsibility to stand up for those whose voices are shut down. We have, 
Because that's what Jesus did, right? We have the responsibility to speak into a culture to say that is not right according to the word of God. And so abuse is never going to be accepted. So in a way, there was a positive that came out, sexual scandals, sexual abuse. And if you know my heart, uh, my heart for women and what they have gone through and what they've been through, you hear story after story after story of women who were mistreated simply because they were women in a working place. That came out. There's the positive. But here's now the other side. What do we do with this as Christians? Because in one sense, you have this world over here where it's like, this is, does not make sense. This is not biblical. This is super confusing. And then over here, you say, wait, we're supposed to take care of those who are oppressed. It's our job to speak for the marginalized. How do we blend this all together in a culture? And they, they say it all the time. The 2020s is one of the worst times to be a pastor in all the history of man. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad I'm here now for you guys, right? Because everything is a tension where there's a little bit of good with something here. Our culture is all mixed up. It's blended. We have all of our different viewpoints. And for some reason, we've decided to take a step away from the truth of the word of God. So the only answer I have for us today as we explore this new series together is going into the word of God. But before I go there, I want to make it very clear. Before Jesus came to earth, every single one of you were canceled. You were canceled. Before Jesus Christ came to earth, because of our sin, it separated us in a truth from God. Because of our sin, God had to separate humanity from his holiness. And before the cross, we were in a huge, huge, huge mess. Because of the cross, because of what Jesus Christ did, because of the mercy of God and his forgiveness, that he now bridges the gap for us and that now we have a new life. And now we take on the new life of kingdom-mindedness or what it means to be kingdom-minded or have our minds and hearts set on what God has for us. So here we are stuck because, and this is where it gets weird, God saves us and we're in the now, but we're not to the yet part. So we're here, we're in a messy world dealing with messy things and we create more mess every day. So I thought it'd be really fun today if you just turn to your neighbor and tell them what sins you did this week. Um, just, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Online you can do it, I wouldn't know, right? But you sinned this week. You did. And so if you know Christ as your Savior, you're like in this messy place of, well, how do I keep growing to be more like him? And we're not to the yet or the part in which we have the new body and everything is done and we're with Jesus and he reigns and all this beautiful story. We're in this stuck place and we have to deal with not only our culture's stuckness, but your stuckness, your mess that you create. It always astounds me and I, I think maybe it astounds you too. When we walk into churches, <clears throat> there's an expectation of people outside of the church that when they walk into the church, that they're walking into a room that is like really holy and much better than them. Like everyone in this room has got their lives together. And, and I just speak from our standpoint, because I know a lot of you, you haven't met my church because we are not there, right? We are a hot flaming mess, but the difference is that we admit it. But the expectation or the thought process outside the church is that, that if I, I can't belong into the body of God because I'm not good enough or I haven't done the right things, and I say, Friend, that is not what church is. Church is a group of people that are saved but still in the mess, working to get to our future. 
And so from that standpoint, we're going to get into Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. Uh, Colossians is a fantastic book. Uh, it's written to a church that Paul had written, and he's encouraging them, and he's speaking to them about some very specific things here as they engage. And I want you to get this into your thought as you hear this passage, if you read along, either on the screen or with your iPads or phones, is that Paul is saying, think eternally, not currently. Think eternally, not currently. Let's read together. Uh, It's on the screen behind me. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to, walk, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and all is in all is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other if any have done a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You may say, okay, great passage. What does that have to do with cancel culture? There is a presence and a statement that's being made by Paul as we engage both yourself and each other. We begin with our posture of culture with a different approach. We have to remember, if you are a Christ follower, that you are a new creation. You've put off the old self. You've put on the new. But as I read that list, I bet you thought through some of these. Oops, 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 not me. Boy, did I nail anger yesterday really well, right? Well, what is this new self? I'm supposed to be putting off the old self and putting on the new. Paul starts this statement by taking a look at this. Since, first of all, that you've been raised with Christ, the way that you process everything is eternally, not currently. You are thinking on things above and God's kingdom through first the kingdom and secondly, how do I now respond to that? So through an eternal Long distance, what is my life about? It starts with the fact that you are saved by Christ when you shouldn't have been. You have a new life because Christ has given it to you, and so our mind should be eternal, not current. Eternally, not currently. Now, I'm not saying we ignore and walk away from what's happening in our culture. That's not what's being said here. He's setting the stage for the next verses. In the first verses, we're seeing that our mindset and our hearts is that we have to be thinking and focused on the kingdom of God first. Now, I say this very obviously to you because you're all somehow, or most of you are somehow involved with social media. I don't think a lot of things that hurt and kind of sting when any news media or something that's said about any topic from a Christian, when it stings, I don't think there was a kingdom-mindedness involved. I read a lot of posts, I read things, 
and the trolling that goes on in just Christians alone, and then there's, you know what a troll is, ask someone younger than you. Um, the trolling that goes on or the negative comments and all this that's happening, these things are coming not through a line, uh, lens of what matters for the kingdom, it's what matters for now. And through the kingdom of God perspective, I'm thinking eternally, not currently, it's going to set my mind above on, Jesus, what are you thinking about? What is your passion point? And the only way I get to know these things is I become a student of the word of God, and I read what Jesus did and said. So when I make the strong statement that we stand for the oppressed or the, the voiceless, it's because Jesus told me to do that. I didn't make that up. Like, I'm not like, oh, cool, cool leadership statement. No, Jesus said that's the purpose of our followers, is that we're to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. We're to stand in the gap in the margin for those who are marginalized. That's what Jesus said, and that's what Jesus did. Therefore, that's where we got that idea from. So when I'm thinking eternally and not currently, I do not care if you like what I say or not. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not here to say, oh, that was such a great speech. I love the part when you told me that Jesus loved me and that's all you said. That's not how we roll, people. Because I'm thinking eternally. What's more important is when you stand before God and I, you can say, you know, God, you forgave me. I, I learned about it. I accept you as my Savior. And then this pastor kept yelling at me every Sunday and kept telling me, like, to change my life and stuff. And I worked really hard at it. You know, like, like when you stand before God, it's you and him. And my job is to teach you him and his word and so I'm thinking about each and every one of you eternally, that I have to. And I'm going to tell you something very honest about this. That means some of you cancel me. That means some people have walked out. That means some people have stopped listening to our podcast, all three of them who listen. That means people stop watching us on Sundays because they say, I don't like the way you teach. I think you teach too hard. Why don't you just say that God loves us? And that's the conversation I'm having with the younger generation. You are not making this palpable for me. And I say, that's because the word of God isn't supposed to taste good. The word of God is supposed to irritate us, sting, so that we turn our lives from current to eternal. Stop thinking about what food you shove in your gullet today and think about what food is going to be for you eternally. Stop worrying about the Packer game, which is at 3 o'clock this afternoon now. Let's worry about what's eternal and matters forever. And that's the crazy thing about our faith walk, right? Is that we get so caught up, and it's so easy, guys. I'm, not, I'm talking with you. I'm not talking at you because this message was made for me this morning. I get so stuck in the day-to-day -day drama. And like, there's times like, oh my gosh, I just want to blow up every social media platform possible. If you have never been on TikTok, don't. It just makes you dumber, right? Like, <laughs> oh my word. I mean, I can do those dances for you, and I get like a 1,000 likes. I say, Jesus loves you. I get none. Like, what's the deal, right? Like, I, I, I just, there's times where I just want to blow this all up because we're so dead nuts focused on ourselves and our current situation and what people are saying. Let me go further. Who's in office? Who's not in office? What's happening here? Why is this person there? Blah, blah, blah. All these conversations are happening, and what happens is we lose our eternal focus. And Paul says this, start with the fact that our focus is eternal, then let's engage our culture in our lives, okay? So we start first with the eternal. We start there. As we take that, that step further, he goes deeper. Put to death, 
whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Let me go through this list again. And uh, you know, raise your hand for each one, please. <laughs> Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self and its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of his creator. There is a complete flip that starts to happen when we first think eternally and then the spotlight doesn't go on other people. It actually goes on me. When I look at people who've been canceled in culture, name the celebrity, there are ones which I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that that person got found out. I'm so glad that those women spoke up. I'm so glad that the abuse stopped. I'm so glad that there was a voice, that there was something loud to say that is not right. That should not have happened. But then I look at this other part. And you guys know if you're in this, you understand what I'm saying. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was going through articles like to, to talk about with you like situations, and they all made me so sad. I don't even want to tell you on Sunday. Like terrible, dumb things because a person was a believer in Jesus Christ. Because a person has stood on a faith, they're saying, look, I stand to the word of God. I love you. However, my truth is on the word of God. I'm not saying I hate you. I'm saying that I don't agree with you. And because then I don't agree with you, you're canceled, you're cut, you're out of my life. You may have had that with some of your relationships of friends, perhaps family, perhaps some of your own children that because I don't agree with you, therefore you can't love me. Agreeing and love have somehow blended together into this weird cancel culture. So therefore it becomes a mob mentality that we agree with each other, we are stronger, and you love me. I've been married for over 20 years, and we agree on very little things. She is a Viking fan, I'm a Packer fan, enough said. <laughs> agree does not mean love. And if you've heard any of our other series, love means sacrifice. Love is humility in which I give away freely. You don't have to give me anything to receive love. But this dark side of cancel culture says, we can't disagree. If we disagree, you're my enemy. Oh my word, is that toxic. There are Republicans in this room, and there are Democrats. I, I won't have you raise your hands, so I don't want to fight. There are libertarians, there's constitutionalists, and there's some new made-up political thing I just made. It doesn't matter. We're all in the middle. Everything's all over the place. And the place that we go as Christians is not about the current. It's about the eternal. Because if I can have a conversation with someone I don't agree with politically, I would love to sit down and have a conversation and just talk as friends. But the idea is, regardless of what we think, how do we work together in our political views to advance the kingdom of God not the kingdom of man. How do I become a soldier that gives my life for the kingdom of God? Because I'm in God's army, just as I'm so proud of every soldier who gives their life for our country. It is a new way of thinking when we're eternally thinking because now my life is I give to the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm open-handed about all of it. I've said this to my friends before. Um, I... I love, absolutely love my country. Love my country. I've had so many great friends who've served in the military. I 
uh, myself wanted to join the military. And for every, all of our veterans in here, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Everybody watching, hear us. Thank you for everything you've done. I've had great friends who have served. And rightfully so, when we go to Brewers games, I love those, right? We stand up for our vets, and I stand up, and I'm, and I'm clapping for them and stuff. I'm just so thankful for those people who've given their lives for their country. One time I, I went home, and I thought, you know, I'm giving my life for eternity, and no one's going to stand and clap for me. No one's going to stand and clap. No one knows about the, the warriors of God who are out serving and fighting on the front line of life to help save lives from hell. Nobody knows. No one knows about the brothers and sisters all across our nation who are serving and working and giving their lives. And this is the thought I had. I don't want applause here. I want the Lord Jesus Christ to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what I want for every single one of you. This is not my journey. This is our journey. When you think eternally, you are thinking, is my life on the front line of bringing and ushering people to the kingdom of God, or am I too afraid of people canceling me because I say, hey, man, can we talk? I'd love to share about my heart and my story. Are we too afraid to speak about the word of God and what is said because maybe we feel like we don't get that list good enough? Like, maybe I've got too many angers and malices and sexual idolatry. Look, the list is there to show you what the new self looks like. You're never going to arrive, friends, you're never going to be the perfect soldier. There's only one. His name was Jesus Christ, and he wins for us anyways. We just tag along behind him with a little pop gun on our shoulders, right? That's what the kingdom of God looks like. We just follow the master. And so for us, we look into, back into this passage to look like, okay, if this is what I am. I am in this culture. I'm working inside this culture. I'm eternally thinking what matters most is eternity. I'm engaging with my culture now. How do I approach People, topics, things I don't like. Look at this, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. A believer's new self engages the current with compassion, humility, controlled, patience. They bear with each other. They deal with each other. They're slow to speak. They're quick with love. And this is the word that I want us to stick inside of your head. When it comes to us engaging culture, kindness. Just be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Like the whole thing, the heartfelt compassion the coupled with this whole idea is compassion and, for, and this kindness. And one of the things I, I just don't understand, I just don't understand this, okay? In my Christian experience, maybe you guys can relate with me, so I, I share these stories so you can hear me and understand. In my Christian experience, on average, not Mosaic Church, of course, because we're different, we're cool, but in my experience, when there has been a disagreement Kindness comes from non-Christians more than Christians. Okay, let me, let me just say that again so you hear me. In my experience, the people inside of the church were less kind, sometimes not kind at all. In fact, I've been verbally abused 
many, many times by Christians. People outside the church have been kind and disagreed with me and respectful. So, I don't know. I can read the verse again. You just heard it. What is happening with us? Why is it that when we follow Christ, we kind of ignore this part that we have this truth, we are new people, new selves, why do we ignore the idea of kindness? I'll tell you why, I think, since I've got the mic and you don't. This is why I think this happens. I think this happens because we're passionate about what we believe, and we believe what we believe is 100% right. So therefore, we want to fight to win instead of love to share. We fight to win instead of love to share. When I know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and when I talk with people who don't believe that, I'm not mad at you. I just want to show you. It's not my job to make you believe that Jesus was the Lord and Savior. That's his job and the Holy Spirit's job to show you. It's my job to share. So when I come in and I'm not kind about anything, I come in militant, angry, type to type, type, type to type, 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 type. And trust me, friends, there's been many emails which I type to type, 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 deleted. Because first it was Jason, delete, now Holy Spirit control, right? (laughs) You laugh because you've done it too. There's a difference because we are called to be gentle, kind, humble, compassionate. When we engage a culture, when we engage a topic, we engage something in which this is a really, really hard thing to stand on. I don't agree with you. The word of God disagrees with it. It doesn't mean you become militant. We still always wear kindness. Because Jesus Christ, in the mess that you're making as soon as we walk out this door, the mess that you're making, his gentleness, his compassion, his love for you is still here for you even though you keep still messing up. Even though he would like to say, why aren't you just getting it? He still walks with you in your mess. His forgiveness, his mercy is new every morning. And so why would we ever approach anything different than that? That's the beauty of the gospel. So inside of this cancel culture, the most idealistic, the best thing that we can see is that there is a heart or a method to stop wrong things that are happening. Cancel culture has a positive, quote-unquote, vein in which means the oppressed have a voice. But in the larger scheme of things, it's built around the world that is not kind, it is not gentle, it is not forgiving, it is not humble. It is out to destroy people. And as we keep working through this series, we're going to look at different aspects of that and what does that look like and how do I engage in different scenarios? How do I engage when there really is a topic that I really don't agree with? We know have everything that we need right here. It starts with kindness because ultimately our goal is this. It's redemption and restoration. Our goal is not to be right and to hurt people. Redemption restoration. We want people to be redeemed, not only by God, but also relationally and restoration. How can we walk into huge messes and be able to walk in with the heart of Christ, to look like Christ, smell like Christ, be like Christ, and be one of his disciples in 2022? What does that look like? You'll have to come back and hear the rest of the series next week. Challenge is clear. Before we start blasting people and canceling, you have a very clear challenge and directive. We have a purpose to be kingdom-minded. Our job is to think eternally, then currently. 
It starts eternal. It moves to current. And now with an internal mindset, we're thinking of God, we're thinking of his kingdom, we now engage really, really hard topics, really, really hard subjects, things in which we see the word of God speaks directly out against. But how do we do it? When do we engage it? And what does our heart look like? It should be full of grace, full of mercy, and seeing every single human as a creature created, a human created, a being created, a brother created, a sister created in the image of God. That's where we begin our story. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.